God bless you, everybody. This is your guy. It's been a minute. Let me finish that thought. It's your guy, Pastor Kelvin Steele, coming to you live from the Pastor's Perspective podcast right here in the wonderful city of Simpsonville, South Carolina. I'm super excited to be with you on today. Let me see if I can get this graphic right. There we go. So glad to be with you all on this evening. It's been a long time since we have been together, and I'm so excited to be on tonight. So I, I get confused. I believe this is season four of A Pastor's Perspective. It's got to be about four seasons now, and this is my first episode uh, for the season, and I'm so bovinely elated to have in the green room with me my two brothers. But before I bring them out or bring them on, excuse me, I need all of you. I see now about 10 or 11 of you. I need you to do me a favor. If you're watching on the Kelvin Seals ministry page on Facebook, I need you to do me a favor to come out of it and like it, then go back into it and then share it and invite as many men and women of God on tonight because this discussion is going to be all of that. For those of you that are on YouTube, God bless you. Thank you for joining and on the church app. God bless you as well. So, now, without further ado, let's bring in my brothers. Let's bring them in. I'm not even going to, let's just bring them on in the room. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we cooking with oil now, as the old folk used to say. We got fat back in the greens. Amen. We got fat back in the greens. We have from my right, we have none other than my brother, Bishop Carl D. Parrott. Amen. And we have right below my brother, the illustrious apostle. <laughs> A-X. God bless you, sir. Amen. We celebrate both of you men of God on tonight. Man, I'm excited. I feel like I'm at a family reunion with my with family that I had seen in years. I'm so excited to have you guys on tonight. How are you guys doing? Wonderful. Excited about being on. It's always a pleasure anytime you get a chance to get together. It's dynamite. Dynamite. So how you doing? As the old folk would say, I'm just glad to be in the number one more time. One more time. Yes, yes sir. sir. Yes, now, sir. Just so you know, because I know how we do, I'm getting my iPad ready. <laughs> with my trigger. I'm going to say something tonight, and I want to be prepared when you do. So let me make sure I got my trigger set up just right. Got my Bluetooth set up. Let's see. And we're going to make it work tonight. There we go. We got to make sure. So just in case, let's try one more time. Uh-oh. Yes, sir. Oh, my. So, oh, you know, oh just my. in case, you know, because it's going to happen. Yes, <laughs> it's sir. going to happen. So if you would, we have more people coming into the room. We'll start from our right once again. Bishop Perry, would you let the people viewing tonight know who you are and all of that wonderful stuff? I'm Carl Parrott out of Columbia, South Carolina. I had the privilege of serving Raymond Wood Restoration Ministries and also True Fellowship. Like I said earlier, it's a privilege and an honor anytime you get a chance to get out, uh, a chance to hang out with you all. Um, I just just love the fellowship. Amen. Now, Bishop, it doesn't do well. None of these guys do uh, too much praise in themselves. So he mentioned True Fellowship in which she is the prelate in the state of <laughs> so he has several many churches under him and part of his fellowship in which we are connected to amen so we praise god for all that you're doing in the local community 
and throughout the state and other parts of the of the nation. So we praise God for that. And he's also an also an author. I don't know if any of the information, Bishop, would be on your church's pay, Facebook page or website, but you can also connect with him via Facebook. Yeah. Go ahead, Bishop. It's out there somewhere. Uh, my admin, uh, she's on there, so she can probably help you. If, Amen. If, if I, I haven't checked out the comments yet, but Sister Regina, if you're on tonight, please help us out on how we can get information on all of Bishop's content. God bless you. Now, to my next brother. Amen. Apostle Anthony, let the people know who you are. Uh, grace and peace be unto each of you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. My name is Anthony A. Dix, Jr., and... Uh, I have the pleasure of serving as the senior pastor of Mount Zion Church here in the upstate of South Carolina. And I'm elated to be amongst so great a cloud of witnesses. It's just good to be amongst the brethren. He's another, they a whole mess. So uh, <laughs> Pastor is also an author of the book, Holy Hardship, where you can go oh, find yeah. your copies on amazon.com. So please do me a favor, find their content order it, support the work that they are doing. He's also the speaker of one of the greatest messages. There are two great messages I've heard. One was titled The Quilt by uh, Bishop Carl D. Parrott. That was preached right here at the King's Worship Center. Mm -hmm. And the other message <clears throat> was preached by Apostle Anthony called Born to be Wild. Yes, sir. <laughs> now it's his message, but I have cataloged it. <laughs> in the archives of the King's Worship Center to be pulled out every two years. Oh, wow. So again, in 2024, we will replay that sermon. Oh, my. Uh-huh. And we'll yeah. also in the next two years replay the message by Bishop Parrott called Push. <laughs> I felt it. that. I felt that right there. Yes, sir. Yes, <laughs> Lord. Men, they, they, they don't tell you, but they're a whole problem. And we praise God yeah. for Takes one to know one. I'm telling you. <laughs> we praise God for him. I'm going to head over in just a moment to the comments. So if you all are on and you're here, please let us know you're in the chat. Speak up, share, comment. Let us let us know that you're out there. Uh, see about 15 or 20 of you. Please go ahead and just say hello, say hi, and let us know what's going on. And once again, I'm Pastor Kelvin, uh, the host of this podcast known as A Pastor's Perspective. You can find it on Spotify. Go Apple. You can go to our church app, wherever podcasts are, and download it and subscribe. So let's jump on in because I don't want to keep you guys all night because you're busy, men. We want to talk tonight just a little bit from the thought. Now, let's see if we can pull it up. It may be, there we go. From the thought, silence of Generation X. The silence of Generation X. So we really didn't do a whole lot of backdoor prepping behind this when I uh, sent the theme out to you guys. So, Apostle, I'll start with you. When you when 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 I sent it out, what were your initial thoughts about this discussion? Well, if my memory serves me correct, this is all Bishop Parrott's fault. Oh, <laughs> it was a conversation we had years ago, and Bishop Parrott mentioned. Uh, something along the lines of not being able to get on the stage because the stage has been occupied by a certain generations for too long. <laughs> if I'm remembering that correctly, yes, I might not recall, but I do recall that. Yes, 
Oh my. Um, and I and we never got a chance to really delve into it. Yes, sir. And uh, this was pre-COVID. Yes, sir. And uh, since that time, you know, the trend in in uh, the part of the church that we serve has not um, has not changed in that regard. And certain generations have had to grow up a little bit quicker. Oh yeah, because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the dynamic has been exaggerated a little bit more, mm-hmm. and uh, the stage is still yet full. <laughs> <laughs> the stage is still yet full, and uh, so again, this is Bishop Parrot's fault. I was just there there listening. listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I've had subsequent conversations with other people who are uh, clergy, yes, sir, um, about our requisite silence or silencing, so to speak, within the church. Not, not, we have not had extensive conversations about the silence of Generation X in other areas of culture. But um, that's that's just how I remember it. Now, y'all can do it that what you want to. That's how I remember it. Bishop Perry is here to defend himself. Lord, pray for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good segue to you, Bishop. So when you when you when you saw the theme, what were your thoughts? <laughs> I, I, I thought that this is gonna get us in trouble. <laughs> I said, "Oh my goodness!" But I guess it's always uh, good to uh, deal with certain things, even if it does put you in a hot seat sometimes. Well. The three of us on this podcast and individually in our ministries are no strangers to trouble. And um, the illustrious uh, prophet T.I. said it this way. I'm not looking for no trouble and I ain't ducking none either. (laughs) As he so eloquently put it. there we go. Forever and a day. I will forever rep Love Road. <laughs> My goodness. So when we think about this and we talk about the silence of Gen X, a couple of things I want to bring up. So Generation X starts around 1965 and ends around 1984. When thinking about this, I looked at the scripture, Proverbs twenty-two twenty-eight, and it simply says this, remove not the ancient landmark, which your fathers have set. Now, I don't want to butcher the text. Mm-hmm. I don't want to butcher it up and give my own. Per- but when we look at, and I want to start at the church, when we look at the church today and we think about our generation. So I look at the 65 to about the 71, 72 generation. And I look at a lot of those pastors and many are bishops now. And they were pretty vocal. They really had a stage. They've garnered a certain level of respect. And even though, you know, us that are in the late 70s, late to mid 70s, uh, early 80s, it seems like we've been more silent uh, as we have grown. And as I can recall growing up in ministry, a lot of us were the we do as we're told. We don't speak until we're spoken. Uh, If our pastor says do it, we do it for good or for bad. Um, yeah, I may be gifted, but my pastor says I'm not ready. Um, and we really didn't have a, we had an urgency, but we didn't have a push to be seen or be visible. Um, we look at 
for good or for bad, this current generation and the one now uh, right after Gen Z, and they are out there. They, I mean, they are out there. They are leading. They are prelates. They are bishops. They are pastors. They are founders. They're whatever they want to be. And it seems like between us and them, there has been a silence from us that has put the generations after us at a huge disservice. What I mean by that, brothers, is there are certain things we knew and we saw that are wrong or that maybe weren't necessarily wrong, but that could hurt the face of the church. And we were reluctant to say anything. Why do you think that is? I went first last time, so Bishop. I, I, I was just listening to the, the crickets, you know, just a minute ago. <laughs> but, but I think when we were having the conversation uh, before just us, we were talking about how we felt like um, our generation was held too long and the generation that came behind us was released too fast. Mm. And in the midst of that, like you were saying, we had a reverence and an honor for those generations that preceded us that is not as prevalent in the generation that um, follows us. Um, oftentimes, I, I think now this is Apostle Dix here. Uh -oh. He was saying they saw some of the things that we endured yep. and they got gangster and they said, no, we're not Moses, we Joshua. <laughs> We 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 go we we gonna take a different approach, and I, I understand the dynamic. Uh, like you said, the silence piece has put us in a, I guess, a tough spot because our generation we don't want to dishonor those that came before us, right. but at the same time, we recognize that we don't have as big a voice in the life of the generation that follows us. Wow! Um, unless we have a big stage. And we were talking about this earlier. Um, the stages are filled, mm -hmm. but the dilemma is the fields are empty. <laughs> That's, good. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah, you can say that like again. Yes, uh, the stage is full. It's filled, and the field where the laborers are supposed to be is um, empty. is empty. It is empty. Uh, this is such a let me say this when you have conversations like this you know depending upon people's ears they may interpret our our uh discourse as classifying generations in broad strokes that's right, right? they're they're there are thought patterns in each generation that may not be uh, uh, adhered to from everybody in that generation. So you're going to have some who think some way and some who think the other, and they may think the same way in different degrees. So we by no means are suggesting that Generation X is better off or no. better than preceding or succeeding generations, which is different the world we were brought up in is different and the way we were brought up in it is different. 
we did not have other platforms to express our thoughts and views at our fingertips. Mm -hmm. I was grown when the, when the cell phone went from a cell phone that you talk on to a phone that you could also take pictures on. Right. But that wasn't a smartphone. That was just a phone, a camera phone. Mm -hmm. Then we went to the smartphone with applications, social media, video, and content creation, and the resources. And I, I remember when Facebook wasn't monetized yet. Yep. Right? And then with the monetization of Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Google, with ads, marketing, and all the rest of that stuff, it boomed to create an entire content creation economy where you can become a millionaire just because you got a certain amount of followers on on instagram youtube subscribers or TikTok. Mm -hmm. so we weren't raised with platforms so our silencing was not that we didn't have anything to say it was it was twofold we we were taught to be seen and not heard right right and secondly, because of that, when the platforms became available, we just weren't predisposed to jumping on there and saying something for many in our generation. Now, there's some who were, but many of people who may be a part of Generation X, uh, we just didn't. We just didn't have those tools and we weren't encouraged to use those tools. My kids were born with those tools. Right. They came out to smartphones and tablets and social media. We did not, we came out, there was still a phone book. There was still, the TV went off at night with the with the Star Spangled Banner and, and all of the, the colors. Like, that's what we were born into and we evolved eventually. And I think that, you know, technology being what it is and culture moving at the pace that it moved, that this is another thing. I remember talking to, um, this is several years ago and I, I hope you all appreciate this. Since you don't quote it, T.I., <laughs> I, I can go off a little bit too. So y'all remember when you could buy music yep, and it had the little black and white tag in the corner, oh. <clears throat> right? So our generation around adults, we didn't talk like the music we listened to, <laughs> right? We didn't talk like the music we listened to. So we could listen to explicit lyrics, but we didn't speak in explicit lyrics in public. Then as we got older, certain words that were censored. Yep. Right? Certain words that were censored uh, are no longer censored. You can say, like, you can say that on the radio? You can say, what? And so I, I was talking to a, a preacher, you know, some years ago. That how, how can we preach in a way that honors God? to a generation who's used to hearing things explicitly, mm -hmm. right? And now we see them expressing themselves explicitly. And we see trends in the church where we are presenting the gospel in more explicit terms. Mm -hmm. um, in our generation, that's just not how we would, that's not how we were wired. And we sometimes I don't know if we have the intellectual dexterity to have conversations about why preaching with explicit lyrics may or may not not honor our fathers, but just honor God. 
Do you all remember the podcast that we did on the sacred and the holy? Mm-hmm. We did a podcast on that. Mm-hmm. And we talked a little bit about that. You both hit something that got my mind stirring. And so we talked about certain restrictions, certain things, uh, not necessarily even restrictions, just the times that we were living in. Mm-hmm. And it's not that it makes us better, but it gave us an ingredient that, and, and also I'm gonna, I wanna add this out there as well. So this is also a reflection on what we can be doing better as that generation that's older. Mm-hmm. Because even though we're older, we're not out of the game yet. Mm-hmm. So how can we impact what we possibly have been too silent over? But the one thing I, I can appreciate about growing up in that generation where, you know, because we had both the mobile phone and we still had landline. Mm-hmm. You know, to get on the internet, you had to plug up the phone into the computer yes, and, you get, eh, 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 and then you got yes, a busy set. And it was limited what you could see. And our pastors and those things limited us, but what it does, what it did, it kept restraint and restrictions on us. So we couldn't just go out, grab a cell phone Mm -hmm. and say the first thing that came to mind. Right. And because of that liberty that we are seeing, and because a lot of the, the Gen Z's now are our kids, so to speak, some of the millennials are our our kids, um, and they have been raised up into it. But some of the things, the the restrictions we could have placed on those generations that we could have said, we overlooked because we were trying to figure this stuff out ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so now, uh, what when we do speak, because a lot of us have been so silent so long, it comes across as if we're trying to put restrictions on you, and we're just trying to show you there's a way that seems right. But the end thereof ain't good. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that concerns me is that while we're trying, even as it's crazy to say that, even considering the conversation we were having in the green room, that we're some of the, the, the elders in the church now, that you have the, you have the intelligence, you have the access, you have the ability. And it seems like the more these kids are born, they're born more gifted. Every generation seems more gifted, like they come out of the womb with this stuff. But there seems to be no honoring of landmarks that kept what we know, that we know as men of God right now in our late 40s, going into our 50s at some point, that there are certain things that just dishonor God that somehow we've lost connection with that this now generation is missing. Um, there was, and I'm going to open it up to you guys in just one second. There was a clip that we shared some time ago on a podcast um, or then maybe I shared it with you guys where a pastor, a young pastor got on and he was preaching real good. The sound was real good. The organ was real good and all of that stuff. And he said, the devil is a GD liar. And the young church, that's right. That's right. And you could see as they panned that some of the older saints were like. <laughs> so where do we, where have we missed it where we're comfortable enough in God's house with God's people to say and do things that we know for a fact that none are God. Y'all help me with that. Um, it, it's a, like, like you were saying earlier, it's a challenge. The reason being is because they have more access. And when we were coming through, like when I first started getting out preaching, mm-hmm. 
I didn't have YouTube or anything I put messages mm-hmm. on. Somebody heard you preach. Yep. They went and talked about you. The preacher called and contacted you. You got permission from your pastor. Right. They asked you to send them a tape in the mail. They listened to the tape. They validate the tape. And then they allowed you to come. So us getting indoors came through a system of validation. This day and hour, their validation still comes, but it does not necessarily come from seasoned veterans. It comes from whoever follows you. Um, the The whole piece of what I think um, our generation is supposed to be doing for the generation that is following us is being the stabilizer. Because even in times past, there were certain things that those that came before us did that I felt like man, that was hard, or I felt like I didn't agree. I would dare not get on a public platform or get out publicly and attack that. Right. But I would say in my mind, if I ever have the opportunity to be in the position that they're in, I would never do that. As I started serving as a senior leader, one of the things that I have discovered is, even though I might have disagreed with what they've done, I understand why they did it. Wow. And when we don't have a point of reference, then sometimes it's easy for us to make prejudgments about what what's being taken place. When it, whenever you're leading a people in any capacity, there's so many different dynamics and there's no cookie, uh, cookie cutter, I guess, um, format that you can use to do everything for everybody. It's kind of catered towards the situation, the person, the circumstance, the time of the day, you understand? And, you know, just serving these different generations, um, serving this generation, I think that like you were saying earlier, our our position is unique and it's put us in a tight spot, but um, I I really don't have all the answers, I guess. Yeah, thank you. I'm sitting here thinking about um, what measures could we have taken to mitigate for some of these things. The church um, is fragmented. And so fragmented in several different ways. We're fragmented um, doctrinally. We're fragmented from a polity perspective. We're fragmented culturally. and so in the church, we don't all see the church the same way, mm-hmm. right? The systems that are in place in the United States of America to police its citizens have been put in place at different levels to mitigate for, for criminality, for behaviors that do not align with citizenship, the responsible citizenship, right? But that's because the United States sees itself as a nation, as a, as a United States. Regardless of our cultural divisions, we are still governed by a central government. The, right. the church has does not does not see its centralized government the same way. And so, because we're splintered and fractured, you and I, even as leaders in a local church do Mm -hmm. not have the authority to police 
other minstrels, other ministers, of other ecclesial leaders, um, because there is no central government or no paradigm to see one as such to where we can say, you know, the federal government of God requires that you don't speak like that. Or as an agent of God's federal government, that we are the FAA of the kingdom of God. I, we have to censor you. And because of how the Protestant movement be, began and, and, and continued to evolve and some other things that evolved from the time of the 12 uh, apostles of the Lamb and beyond, we have lost some of the infrastructure to police our own. And we have to ask if since seeing as that is the state of the church, yes, sir. What tools do we have to police it? That's good. Right? Go ahead, Bishop. I was, I was gonna ask a question with that. Do you think it's our fault? No. No, I do I don't think that those things would many of those things were put in place or unfolding long before we were born. Right. Paul said to the church of Corinth that that I heard that there are divisions among you. Right. And so there were schisms then. And then you had the schism of 1054. And then you had a whole host of other things. You had had, um, uh, of course, the Protestant Reformation and beyond that continued to fracture our ability to police each other in regards to uh, clerical behavior, in regards to standards of behavior for for the body politic. Uh, and to fracture our identity as the church. Like we could be Baptist, Pentecostal, AME, CME, UMC. We could be Evangelical, Southern Baptist, CBF. We could be Catholic. We could be Presbyterian, Anglican. We can be all of those things and, and almost be like a United States of America. But, but with if we are in our denomination or in our local church, our own federal government, Right. Then when we say something, let's let's put it this way. If I see my church as totally autonomous. Right. And 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 Pastor Steele, Overseer Steele's church is totally autonomous. But something he does, it does at his church is affecting how my people live out their Christian life. If I say something to him, that's nation against nation. Right. That's that's not civil war. That's two different nations against nation. And that's sometimes what you see proliferated uh, in some of the Christian tabloids It's this preacher against this preacher It's that preacher against that preacher. And and you've got factions on each side using scriptures and theology to to defend one side from the other. And and so when you get into all of that, we we lose our witness because we don't have a system to police ourselves again as as i alluded to earlier much of that is not not even our own fault but in recognizing it i think we have an opportunity to mitigate for that to mitigate for those losses and say what how can we be unified given the landscape that we are in because i believe god put us in this time for such a time as this and he would not leave himself without a witness so there's obviously power within the body to correct itself. 
listening to all of that, and that was amazing. It, it really, really was. And thank you all. I see more people joining in. Listen, we're having some technical issues with the chat from the stream, but please continue to post your comments, questions, and we will try to get to them as we are able to. Thank you for joining. Please share. Um, I'm going to have to pull on your seminary education here. I believe there is something called the law of first mention when it deals with scripture. Mm -hmm. So even if there are factions, even if I say I'm CME, I'm, I'm this and I'm that, shouldn't there be a respect for elders that can take us to the word to show us what God's first mind was on certain things that we know biblically, not biblically, exegeting scripture correctly, not just going to it to find our own way of uh, co-signing our error. Shouldn't that just be a sign of humility? Well, if an elder in the faith is mm -hmm. taking the time to inbox me to say, hey, you know, and a lot of elders, like I'll call younger preachers that are younger than me, I call them brother. It's no problem. You're my brother. You're my younger brother. Up 20 years young, you're still my brother. You're my brother in the faith. Listen, bro, you may want to reconsider uh, mm -hmm. staying this type of stuff uh, to your people because they're really, they're not your people. They're God's people. And the things that you're saying and expressing, albeit it may have some truth, but it's causing a problem for the body. So to me, it seems like it's a, it's a question of humility and biblical understanding. There's a, a book by uh, a church historian by the name of Alistair McGrath. And uh, he wrote a book called Christianity's Dangerous Idea. Mm. And the dangerous idea he, he purports of Christianity is that anyone can interpret scripture. Yes, sir. He says, any the Protestant church in bringing about vernacular translations of the scripture, interpreting, uh, bringing a translation in, in common language for everybody and giving everybody a Bible was dangerous because like the Catholic church, the only people who could interpret the scripture were the clerics. Right. Right. Was it right? No, it wasn't right. It wasn't, it was not right. That's not how Jesus wanted to set up. The Protestant church created an opportunity for anyone to interpret scripture. And this is one of the funny things about how history unfolds. When I was working at the seminary in Columbia, Lutheran Theological Southern Seminary, there came a time where they were beginning to talk about same sex, uh, uh, same as what they said, same gender loving relationships as to whether or not they could be ordained in the Lutheran church. We know that Luther is one of the fathers of the Protestant movement and came in, you know, purported sola scriptura it's by scripture and scripture alone. Oh. Mm -hmm. And so they talked about, um, um, I, 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 I think bound conscience or something like that. Some, some theological construct that Luther had. And, and you can't talk about same gender loving relationships or whatever the case may be without talking about scripture and how it is interpreted. Right. So get this now. The, the man who helped to create a context for people to interpret the scriptures on their own, they weaponized that to split the church that he quote unquote founded. <laughs> <laughs> right. Be, and so when we talk about interpretations of scripture, we have no way of weighing them anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. When the scriptures were bound together, when they came up with the canon, mm -hmm. 
the the council that came up with the 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 Bible, the New Testament Bible, they had a way of weighing what book goes in, what book stays out. Why is there no Book of Enoch in the Scripture? Why is there no Gospel of Thomas? Why is there uh, 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 no Gospel of this? Because the way they weighed the Scripture was agreed upon by a council, and so I won't go into some of the that's some of that church history kind of. And so we use the ability to interpret Scripture on our own in such a way where if you came up to me and said something, I don't have to agree with your interpretation elder or not and the faith we inherited the bible that they gave to us was not created by lay people it was the elders of the church so the context for which the bible was written and passed down to us for a thousand years is not the context we live in today no no go ahead bishop thank you it, 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 it's it's also that you said that because even until maybe 15, not even 20 years ago, it was, I guess, as accepted as it is now, most people stayed within their sect. Mm -hmm. I, I remembered when it was not popular. Yes. Yeah. You were an AME preacher to preach mm -hmm. for a Baptist yep. person, mm -hmm. for a Baptist person to preach for a Pentecostal preacher. Yep. You know, that was not necessarily embraced. Mm -hmm. So we still had that same kind of context. And with that, your hermeneutical understanding of text came from whatever sect that you were a part of. Mm -hmm. So our denominational differences, whether they were uh, organizational doctrine or whether they were biblical doctrine, we embraced them as, you know, paramount truth. Yep. Yep. I've got it with that it, with ecumenism. Mm -hmm. And to me, once you got the television set and yeah. you could see Pentecostal preaching and Ooh. be impacted by it, but you couldn't go to a Pentecostal church because you were in the in the Baptist Bible Belt, mm -hmm. then you would sneak on cable and watch Bishop Jakes or Bishop G. Patterson or somebody else and then still go to your church. But their ministry was impacting. And then when you turn on the radio, you're not hearing your Baptist theology on the radio, you're hearing the theology of the Church of God in Christ through the Pace Sisters or or Karen Clark Sheard or somebody else. And so all of that coming together outside of the black church's plight for social justice. Right. But now the black church's plight to be middle class and affluent. Right. I, our hope for the gospel shifted. Mm -hmm. right and when you get that then now i have more in common with uh if i'm a affluent black baptist i've got more in common with an affluent black pentecostal right even though we have doctrinal di differences the way we think about life is the same because we're really a, not about overcoming oppression as much as we are about overcoming financial oppression and so those types of agreements shift the landscape again as to how we can police ourselves. I've got a question. I've also got a comment, but I got to get this question out. So Pastor Matthew Long is on with us tonight. God bless you, man of God. And he uh, posted a question. He says, are local ministerial fellowships a type of modern day council system? Bishop Parrott, what are your thoughts? 
I think to some kind of degree, but it's still fragmented because you have so many different fellowships, so many different denominations that are out there. And everybody, like um, Apostle Dick said, we kind of kind of cross pollinate. Um, I, I was talking to a, a pastor friend of mine, Pastor C. Porter, and he said something like this to me. He says, today's pastoring is different from pastoring years ago. Mm-hmm. He said, we all have shared clientele. Mm. So everybody that goes to your church, eat from everybody else's table. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yep. And and I was sharing with somebody the other day, and this is something else that's been fragmented from a, from a church perspective and a national perspective. Our idea of family. Mm-hmm. Like, we're brothers. Right? I, I had someone who was uh, an active member of Mount Zion Church, attend Pastor Steele's church, and was kind enough to call me and let me know. Like, everybody don't do that. That's, that's true. Right? I had no problem with that. Why? Because we in the same family. I don't mind you going to eat at your uncle's house. Right. Right? But that's assuming we had a same father, we were raised in the same house, and so the food you cooking over there, it ain't going to kill you. It ain't going to be too much more than what it is over here. That's right. Right. It's And so we have lost a fundamental concept of family, which Bishop Perry and, and Overseer is really about our loss of, you talked about the old landmarks, mm-hmm. right? What was the scripture you read again? Proverbs twenty two twenty eight. And what, what did it say? I ain't going to do you like they didn't order. Read it. <laughs> back here. Uh, the, the quick version just says, don't remove. Here we go. Remove not the ancient landmark, which your fathers have put in place. The ancient landmark that your fathers have put in place. The, an- the most ancient landmark for Israel was covenant. <sighs> and so we don't have an understanding of what covenant means like family anything familial is based on a marriage a covenant and so local ministerial councils if they have a strong theology of covenant can be governed in such a way and can be practiced in such a way where they bring a witness to the rest of the church Mm -hmm. but i think paul told timothy that in the last days there'll be covenant they're gonna be broken a lot Mm-hmm. Covenant breakers, and um, and that to me is one of those old landmarks that need to be revisited. How do we revive healthy family? Mm. Okay, and healthy extended family to where I truly do see you as a brother. You go over to eat. You go over to service at Bishop Perry's house. I know Bishop Perry. Please go over there. Tell him I say, hey, that that my brother. You going to go see your uncle? Well, I want to go live with my uncle. That's fine. You're grown. You can do whatever you want to. You, I, you know, I'm not going to disown you because you went to go see your uncle. You see what I'm saying? But I don't think we have that kind of paradigm uh, aggregately because many of our families are broken. Go ahead, Bishop. Even with you saying that years ago, you know, if you were part of one fellowship and you tried to connect with another, you had to get permission. Mm-hmm. These preachers talk and they're like, no, nah, going back over there where you came from. Right. Even if you were coming from one local church to the next yeah. one, go back where you came from. Talk to them. Or if you came, you had to come with a letter. Mm-hmm. 
and become being validated from where you came from. Because they say, if you cause problem over there, you can come over here and cause problem. Go back where you came mm -hmm. from. A Christian experience. Yes, Lord. Yeah. That's what they said that's at the Baptist that's church. That's that Baptist stuff, boy. You come by candidate for the waters of baptism. Christian experience by letter. Yes, Lord. That's it. <laughs> so I want to dig just a little bit. I want to dig just a little bit. So I, 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 I'm going to cause a little confusion. Here we go. Confusion. Here we go. So I was taught there's something, and, and there's no theological term for this, but there's what's called truth and what's called saving truth. Okay. There's okay. truth and then there's saving truth. Okay. Out of all of this that we're seeing, we're talking about things being fractured and splinter celled and kind of being out of place. But even now, there has to be uh, a way that we can begin to express that, you know, some of the stuff that you're saying may be true, but it don't need to be preached. Some of the stuff that you're talking about has no redeeming quality. It has, it's not, it's not sola scriptura. It's not part of the seven solas of scripture. It's not part of that. It's not Christ alone. It's not the word alone. It, it's not, it's not bringing, it has no redeeming value. And a lot of what we're hearing and seeing has no redeeming value. And, a, and really a lot of, a lot of men and women of God that call themselves preachers of the gospel are no more than inspirational speakers with a finely tuned gift with a lot of followers. How do we address that, but not come across that we're trying to say that you don't have value? There's a, a term that they use in psychology called affiliated offense. Um. And I believe that that is what we're experiencing based off what you said. Whenever an individual feels as though they don't have value, they're not received, they're not embraced by a person or a system, usually they find other people that feel the same. Mm -hmm. And they either start a revolt or a revolution. Mm -hmm. Either they, they pull to the side and they start doing their own thing or what they'll do is they'll start a system to attack the system that they're part of. And I believe that we're seeing a lot of that take place in the church now because you have people that were not um, embraced in the circles that they were in for various reasons. And instead of them just doing a revolt, if that's what they're led to do, they start a revolution. And in them starting a revolution, it's I'm going to attack and destroy the system. I'm, I'm, I'm not opposed to wearing hats if you're a woman in church. I'm not opposed to men in suits in church. That's kind of how I was brought up. So even now when I do the youth Sunday service thing, I'm not as comfortable as I am with a suit because that's how I was wired from how I was brought up. Right. But you have a group now that anything that resembles how we were brought up because they felt like they were not valued there they did not, you know, evolve there, then they oppose that. So if we do suits, they totally no suit. If we're saying that, you know, we have order, no order, we just follow the spirit. <laughs> and I, I think that part of what they're doing is good, but the attack of the system that they're part of is not wise. Because like you're saying, 
it's not adding value to the body. So if you want to show difference, show difference, but don't bring about division among the body because we're not growing. We're just becoming even more fragmented. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to propose a, a solution. <laughs> Might get me in a little bit of trouble here, but it's all right. I think that if we are going to move into the future healthily, we need to revert reverse engineer the church. All right. Reverse engineer the church. Bible says, Bible says, Ephesians chapter four. No, five. Ephesians chapter five says that the Lord is coming back and he will present unto himself yes, a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Right. That's what he's going to do. So when he gets here, he's going to present unto himself a glorious church, not a fragmented church, not none of that. Right. But in the chapter prior to chapter four, there, there were tools in, in the toolbox that Jesus left on the planet to help mature the body. Mm -hmm. The fivefold. Right. I, I would suggest that the reviving of the fivefold is necessary for the contemporary age to prepare the presentation because in the absence of our king there's a balance of power in the fivefold that's necessary for us to govern ourselves appropriately you need all five the apostle the prophet the evangelist the pastor and the teacher we we have lost oh let me not say lost we have misplaced mm -hmm. some of the prophetic impetus of of the church by only directing the prophetic thrust of the spirit towards outsiders yes sir when nathan didn't go talk to the philistine king Elijah wasn't talking to the Assyrian king. Elisha, they ain't had no prophetic word for, for the Phoenician king. They had a word for the king of Israel to make sure that, the, that God's chosen people understood, and especially those in power understood that no one is above the law. The prophet is not above the king. The king is not above the prophet. The neither are, neither of them are above the priest. The priest is not above eating none of them. We don't have a prophetic engine in the church whereby the prophets can speak parables, the pastors, to convince them of some of the things that they may have said over the desk. Because everybody is autonomous. You can't tell me nothing. I got the same Holy Ghost you got, I got. Holy Ghost ain't telling me I was wrong. So there's no way for us to really move forward if everyone is, quote unquote, a God unto themselves. I believe that the last God to be overthrown is not homosexuality. It is not uh, addiction. The last God to be overthrown is a God called self. Oh my. <laughs> what did I tell you? 
<laughs> just a God unto yourself. That's why I can do I mean, you ain't got to like it. I'm a God unto myself. I don't feel convicted unless I hear the Holy Ghost say, in, in, which one? The one in you or not the one in the community? <laughs> God unto yourself. But, but, but even, as, even as you were saying that, like you were saying earlier, that is not a biblical practice because Apostle Paul, even though he had followers mm -hmm. that came to his voice, he still submitted mm -hmm. to the voice of the council. He came mm -hmm. and presented his fruit mm -hmm. of his apostolic call to other apostles. And they Preach. sat and they talked and discussed what it was that was taking place and said, okay, we're not going to put all of the demands of the Judaic culture culture on them, mm -hmm. but they still got to live right. Mm -hmm. You about to make me run, Bishop. That's what the man did now. That's what he did. Yes, sir. So how do we begin to now as pastors? Because 20 years, we, you know, we on our way to sit down somewhere and watch other pastors pastor, right? Mm -hmm. How do we then take a generation and help them understand that no matter how gifted you believe that you are, you need to surrender that gift for validation. Great that, that, that God spoke to you, um, Samuel, but you still got Eli, that's your father for right now. How do we re-inject that? There's a scripture that I pulled up because I see it a lot now, Galatians 4.16, and Paul was coming back to talk to the people. He said, listen, am I your enemy now because I tell you the truth? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. No one said God didn't call you, but I am judging your words and your call is true, but your words are wrong. How do we then begin to help? And it could be even some of us in our own generation, because you know what? We may feel like nobody's going to listen to us. They ignored us then; they're going to ignore us now. So I'm just going to pass to the, the, the people that I have and not worry about anything because my words aren't valid and, and you're just low self-esteem. But how do we help? How do we how do we improve this? Because there is a, a, a whole thing now where I'm this, I'm that, and there's no validation, there's no submission, there's nobody checking it. Pastors really aren't calling pastors now. Now I do what I think is important. I think it's very because I want to know, um, uh, Bishop, if uh, someone I'm considering to come teach to our people, are they ready? Mm -hmm. Now their Facebook mm -hmm. lives say they're ready. Mm -hmm. pick up their cell phones and they're doing all these streams and all this other stuff because God gave them a word. It seemed their word seems like they're ready, but are they ready? How do we then as leaders go back to that? Because some see it as control, but we see it as a way of being uh, to ensure that the body doesn't splinter cell. It's not fractured and that people aren't doing things prematurely. How do we get back to that? Oh, thank you. Uh, I wish I could find that cricket. Uh, <laughs> you go. Um, now I just say I, I I trust God to be Himself. And that's catch twenty two now, because God gives you long rope. He is long suffering. One of the challenges this generation has that we don't have is nobody was around to record our foolishness. So we ain't got no documented library. Yeah, that's true. Right? Like what I was saying when I was 20 years old, ain't no documented library on that. 
it ain't it ain't living on some social media site. It ain't it's not like that. Um, and so they they have a challenge of possibly when they are 50 years old or, or 46, 47 years old, still having evidence of some of the things that they've said, or that evidence of some of the things that they said could hamper them from being who they could be at 46, 47 years old. God will forgive you. He will wipe the slate clean. People don't act like God. Mm -hmm. So once you do something and they perceive it as they, they may remember that forever. So that's one thing. The other thing is we're still God's children. He polices his own, which is, which is dangerous. Uh, if, if you don't repent quickly. That's right. Um, we can't convict people, but we can provide a witness. We can provide a witness. So presenting ourselves in ministry in such a way where we continue to honor God and prayerfully God continues to honor us. The last thing we could do is have a taste test. Mm. Your fruit after 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, our fruit after 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. Because that's really that's really where 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 the test is. I, I don't know if we can we can't convict people, we can't change human agency or behavior, but we can do what God called us to do. Because we can't control somebody else's obedience, and prayerfully our fruit is convincing enough for them to acquiesce to how God would want them to lead and serve. Bishop Apostle had so much to, to say in that that was good. I want to make sure that I get a good gist of the question again. What can we ensure? How can we help this generation uh, kind of fall in line and keep them safe from some of the pitfalls? And I'm rewording it now and some of the areas that we're seeing now in ministry, because you have a lot of people that are gifted and they're and they're definitely chosen. But some of the things that they're doing are wrong. So how do we help them? Like like Apostle said, that's that's a challenge because we can't police them. One of the things that I am seeing is that people that had a big voice, mm -hmm. but little experience when they started out, after they get into it a while, they start understanding and they start changing some as time passes. Mm -hmm. And it's funny that you said too the, about the fruit examination to Apostle because um, a young preacher and I was talking and they were telling me about how they're buzzing and how they have this going on and that going on. And I told him, I said, all oh, that's good. I said, I've been doing this almost 21 years. Mm -hmm. And I said, there are people that started out before me and they were booming. And I said, they're not in existence. There are people that came behind me and took off and started booming. I said, they're not in existence. I said, so when you look at ministry, you have to understand people are going to do what people are going to yes, do. Yes, Lord. So you got you you have to stay in the face of God because one minute you hot and the next minute you're not. There, there's seasons of me doing this where almost every week I'm going somewhere ministry. And then there's seasons I went through where I couldn't pay nobody to invite me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you mm -hmm. And then you, you hit a season where people start calling you again. Amen. So you just have to make sure you stay in the face of God and and honor and celebrate relationships. I've got, thank you, Bishop. 
I've got uh, one question from a viewer, uh, Sister Crystal Brown. Thank you for posting this question. She sh she says, how do we even pick the next in line when your preaching time is dwindling down in this society? Hmm. I want to be trans. Can I be transparent? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I am um, 46 years old. I've been, I've been doing this a little while. Started preaching when I was 21. So I've been doing this for 25 years going on 26. And I wrestle, especially as a founder with the idea of succession, with the idea of succession. And as I was wrestling with the idea of succession, there were a few principles I think the Lord gave me um, in trying to figure out, you know, how to staff a church after the founder transitions from a senior pastor role, not transitioning in death, but transitioning from a new assignment or transitioning from something else. And a few things that he, he uh, helped me with one, is there are pastors, founders who may be like Abraham and they don't have a son in their own house. Right? So what 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 how do you succeed when there is no son, so to speak, or daughter? Yes, sir. Two things. One, when it comes to succession, it is not their style of ministry to that as as the lord kind of helped me with it that is paramount it is what's their message does their message is it the supernatural ex extension of what god told you because even though someone may be in the family, y'all know y'all got them people in your family where when y'all come over to eat, they can only bring dessert. <laughs> you don't want to provide people with strong meals and the successor only knows how to cook dessert. So you wanted to make sure that it's the same message. Yes, sir. A similar message and an extension, if not, not an echo, but an extension. The second thing is, you have to trust God to staff the church. We have, we have, we have, in many instances, replaced discernment with process and decision, and we we've replaced a lot of the prayerful consideration of who's next, just with some other criteria. You have to discern who God has sent. God is still sending laborers into the field because somebody's praying for, for that empty field that Bishop Parrott talked about. And so when it comes to choosing who's next, were they sent and what's the sound? Yes, sir. Were they sent and, and what's the sound that that's, that's something that the Lord gave me as I was considering, uh, continuing to transition in ministry and just thinking about what, what would it be like to have a success and what does that look like? So I, I hope that helped. That was good. That's good. Thank you, Apostle Bishop. That, that was, I guess, so much 
yeah, I guess to help us to really look at as we're moving into that season, um, just in talking to, I guess, those that work alongside me uh, in ministry, the thing that I try to share, I guess, that I feel like is an indicator for me for who's next and not only for who's next, for who's now, who's who's to work alongside us, who's to take the ship as we shift to the next season of, of ministry and how that looks is making sure that, you know, your voice mm -hmm. can be trusted. Mm -hmm. Make sure that your character can be trusted. Mm -hmm. you're, you're not being manipulative in what you're doing because you have a certain goal, a certain thing that you want to accomplish. Make sure that what a person is looking at when they're looking at you, they can trust that. Because that'll give any senior leader, I believe, a lot of peace when they realize the decision that I'm making, I can rest on that because I know that I wasn't looking at a mask. I was looking at the authentic individual. Can I add something else to this too? Yes, sir. Now, I know I'm going to get in trouble now. Yeah. You all right? My heart has been pricked for many leaders who have not had the opportunity to pastor and they are they are of a certain age like they're 40 now and they started when they were in their 20s yeah so they've been in ministry for 20 years and they still have not yet been afforded the opportunity because they were born at a time with those who were on the stage they are older but not quite old enough right. to exit Ooh. the stage right and this is this is something, that, and I'm gonna get in trouble now, guys. See, y'all don't got me talking long enough. I must be hungry. <laughs> Jeremiah said uh, uh, that that God has deceived me, and I was deceived. Now that word translates persuaded. I want to use it in a different sense. I, I don't think we did a good job disclosing to potential senior leaders the natural side of being a viable candidate. Mm. You gotta be able to do more than preach. Got to. Can you manage the movement? Because this is what happens now. This is what happens. And this is, your predecessor got to start when they were 20. They blew it up, right? And now they're 60 years old. You're 40 some years old. And you think you can lead it because you 40 when you didn't have the experience that they gained over that 20 year time span. And so if you haven't been afforded the opportunity to, to learn about church budgeting, to learn about how to cast a vision, to learn about how to lead a staff, like you can't, if you're not a mega man, you can't run a mega ministry. Mm -hmm. So I know you're building your preaching gift. I know you're working on the sound. I know you are working on that stuff. I know you're working on that character. But if you don't work on your administrative and leadership acumen, it will go to someone else who can't preach as you good as you do. And you'll be mad at God. It and it's not his fault. You'll be mad at other people. And it might not necessarily be their fault. If you're going to develop that as a leader, you need to take 
your growth and development seriously and put yourself in positions to be exposed to the leadership side of being a senior leader, not just the preaching side, not just the, you got to be able to do both. And, and you may not be exposed to that. And I think that there's, there's a, a group of pastors up and coming who are kind of like the maids at the, at the wedding all the time. Like everybody else getting married. Mm-hmm. But me, am I ugly? Like what's wrong with me? Like, why don't nobody want me? And it's not cause you, not gifted it's because you don't have certain management experiences to be trusted to lead a million dollar church a seven hundred fifty thousand like that's that's more than a notion uh ladies and gentlemen go ahead bishop i can i can i submit a question yes, sir could it be because of the voices that they're listening to they would rather listen to the voices of hype rather than the voices of structure yes and and in in addition to that those voices that you are consuming are not bringing you behind closed doors to really develop the skill set like they're not bringing you back there you get to see them on youtube you do not judge somebody's ministry by what you see on youtube Cause you don't know what happens once that camera is off and all of the requisite things that they have to deal with to juggle and all the rest of that stuff in order for them to be able to perform like they perform on stage. That is a small piece of it. It's a big piece to public perception, but if you can't manage all of the 90% of the other stuff you got to do, that 10% that shapes 80% of people's perception is going to fall too. So as a passage, you just got to be able to do it all and what you what i would suggest you do is is pray that god would lead you to somebody who is going to expose you to the the other side of being a senior administrator of an organization prayerfully they are healthy and they'll give you an opportunity to learn about church tax law maybe or or to expose you to some some you want to build a big church, but you you never you don't you hadn't bought your home yet. You don't know the difference between commercial real estate, uh, how to how to negotiate a lease, how, how how to negotiate for sound. And I mean, that's a lot that goes into that. They ain't got nothing to do with you exegesis doing the exegesis of a text. And if you just listen to voices that have a lot of lights on them, that'll get you in love with destiny. But it won't put no wheels on your car to get you there. That's it. <laughs> None. Pastor Miriam says, God bless you, woman of God. She says, uh, also, there should not just be a boldness to preach, but a burden to lead. Uh, so that was life. really good. Thank, yeah, thank right you for now. that. That's Pastor her. Matthew, <laughs> go ahead, shout her out, Apostle. That's, that's, that's Pastor Miriam now. She, she's lethal. You can't read stuff like that, man. <laughs> Pastor Long says, Bishop Border says this, the currency of the kingdom is relationship. Earn it and invest wisely. Hashtag relationships. One of the things that come behind what you were saying, uh, both of you, is not only find those individuals that will train you and teach you, but have the wisdom to be patient, to sit and learn. Mm -hmm. Sit and learn. Uh, I sat for years, and I know we're not necessarily talking about this, and I observed, and I still feel at this point, nine years in, I wish I could have sat a little bit longer. 
and learned a little bit longer. And I was one of the ones coming up, you know, and I could do this because I saw the preaching and I saw the people responding to the preaching. I saw mm-hmm. the praise breaks. I saw the laying of hands. I saw all of that other stuff, but not realizing the amount of stress uh, because the three of us are founders that goes into not just coming in and picking up something that's already built, but building something and doing something with the vision that God has given us that has never been done. And so it takes patience. And so for me, I want to, I want to, I want to address, you know, we talk about the people that are in the background that are sitting. Those are the ones that I look to. If, if I'm going to give you something, how I bake a cake, I look for the ones that aren't in a rush to be seen. They don't have a problem being in, they can preach, they can teach, they can, they have it. Like I know for a fact, like pastors, no pastors, like, you shouldn't be pastoring. You should be an associate minister or just a deacon. You don't need to be anybody's pastor. And that's not a knock. You just don't have it. Am I, am I lying? Like we can look at, nah, nah bro, you ain't a pastor. You, you should be an itinerant preacher on the Chitlin circuit. You don't, no one should call you pastor. They should, you are a prophet of God. And people need to call you in for the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, uh, confirmation. But you don't need to be you. God has not chosen you to be a pastor. Right. So I look I look and I can see I'm like, OK, they, they've got it. It's just something about them. They have got it. And they're not the ones with that false humility. Like, yeah, no, I don't really want to do it. No, no, no. They legitimately have it. And then you can tell because they observe, they watch, they pay attention uh, and, 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 and they want to really they seek to understand. And those are the type of people. My actual question was I had it notated and you two went into it. But what ingredients would you put in to these leaders as we're building them uh, for the next succession? What would then you guys started answering it? I'm going to look for those people that genuinely have the patience to be called on. And not the spirit of the opportunist that says I should be called on. I don't think I deserve an opportunity. It's God's grace. It's God's mercy. It was his choice. Mm-hmm. And God put me in the line of sight of some men, some men of God, my pastor first and other great men of God that said, you've just got it. And my willingness to sit, watch and observe to do what I'm doing now, because if it was not for being God's choice, and some of the training that I got from sitting and watching, it'd be a whole mess here in Simpsonville. I don't know about that, Reverend. You good. <laughs> I appreciate Go ahead, Bishop. I, I, I said, um, I, I thank God for those that God has aligned with us and sent to us. Um, the reason is because I verbalized to them multiple times. I said, if you're coming here to preach, you're in the wrong spot. That's it. And the reason that I said that one was because I wanted to see what their motives were. Yes, sir. So that way in me not giving them an opportunity, see what they were going to be ants and run. So when I give them the opportunity to see whether they were going to be appreciative or they were going to be halted. So all of that helps me to detect, you know, even without the spirit speaking, I just watch character. In the midst of that, as some over the the years have failed the test, others have passed with flying colors. Um, The thing that I tell people that work alongside me that 
have the grace upon their life to one day uh, end up as a senior pastor. I told them, I tell them, I said, if you want to learn anything to help you be effective in this assignment, learn people. Mm-hmm. They, they should be a class mm-hmm. in seminary dealing with, you know, learning people. Mm-hmm. Because what we, what we see with people, it's easy to say what you would do or what you should do until you start dealing with people and you hear about the dynamics that this person has, the dynamics that person has, and you recognize and God trusts these people to, to be in my care. So I don't want to drop this person and break this person. Right now I want to choke them. <laughs> but, you know, at, at the same time, you know, this is God's treasure and I got to take care of them. Mm-hmm. But then on the other side, you're dealing with another situation that's totally different from mm-hmm. that one. Mm-hmm. And they're not seeing eye to eye. You've got to figure out how can I juggle the both of them and keep both of them taken care of and make sure that they don't hurt each other and I don't hurt neither one of them, you know. Yep. That, that that's that's a challenge. So mm-hmm. ingredients. Uh can you stay humble? Um, what are your motives? Um it, it's so so many ingredients. Lady Nicole put in, in the comments, and I'm gonna shout out my wife. She says, and one of the biggest ingredients is their willingness to serve. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And serving, and I say the same, I think both of you said this. The, the delivering of the word on Sunday is the least of what I do. It's the least of who I am. There's a level of genuine service. Christ says, listen, I'm here and I'm here as a servant. Mm-hmm. And I think that's lost in translation because excuse that the word I'm going to use, but we've made this thing sexy because like you said, we can, you can literally have, um, and we've all perfected the digital, the digital footprint to a degree we can set it up. We can do this and literally have no quality content. <laughs> mm-hmm. Looks good. Mm-hmm. Our words really aren't challenging the people. There's no redemption in what we're teaching. There's no the gospel of Jesus Christ in what we're teaching, but because our packaging looks good and people don't really know what a pastor is. They'll say, that's a man of God. Nah, that's an imposter, sis. That's someone that doesn't have the desire to serve. Because I serve God's people. I don't just preach to them. Mm -hmm. I serve them. And if you don't have the heart to serve, man, look. Now, Bishop has said something in the past. I'm going to open it up because I feel like you guys a little something more to share there. (laughs) (laughs) I do want to say it tickled me when you said, well, if you're here to preach, I say it like this. And I haven't had to say it in a while, but one of my leadership classes some time ago, I said, uh, the King's Worship Center is not looking for a pastor. I got that on lock. Mm-hmm. We're not looking. We're not looking for any more prophets. I've got one to call. So your job is to come here and to learn how to serve God's people. And if you can't do that, there's nothing else I got for you here. Apostle, what you got? I, um, in hearing the both of you reflect, I'm, I'm sitting also reflecting on my own journey. And I was sharing with, I was sharing with uh, Pastor Miriam um, yesterday, as a matter of fact, about how when I was getting ready to be catechized uh, to become an ordained minister in 1999, Lord knows, we, the, the South Carolina Baptist E&M Convention had a little booklet and in the front of the booklet, it talked about the difference between a, a preacher and a pastor. Mm-hmm. 
Unfortunately, it did not go into grave detail. It identified the distinction, but did not describe it. And I was talking to her, I was like, you know, I wish I, I wish somebody would went ahead and described more of it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, because if you take what's done on Sunday morning in that moment, and even the study that leads up to that moment, that's the preaching stuff. You got to study in order to preach well, right? That's the preaching mm -hmm. side. So if you take out the time a pastor is praying, which you should do as a good disciple, and studying to prepare the sermon and executing the sermon, that's not 40 hours out of the week. So what, what are the other things that a pastor is doing in conjunction with that? And I think one of the ingredients that we may not cultivate or another generation that has been raised that things can happen so quickly and go viral so quickly, they may not appreciate as much as they will as time goes by is perseverance. Mm -hmm. It's one thing to preach when you don't have to worry about the lights at the church. That's right. Oh. You, you you don't you don't have to worry about whether or not the person you brought in this particular weekend uh, is really a good fit for what it is you are trying to do. You don't you don't have to worry about getting the numbers from the offering after the Sunday and lining it up to the vision and the bills. That's right. right. You don't have to worry about if I'm in a counseling session or if I have a, a major giver who does something disruptive, how is it that I enact pastoral discipline? You don't have those challenges of faith. When you an itinerant preacher, you playing with monopoly money. It ain't yours. That's right. That's it. Right? Like you don't have skin in the game, but can mm -hmm. you still perform and preach and serve God's people at a high level when you got low level devils fighting? Right. When you worried about if I preach this sermon, am I putting my family's livelihood at risk? Absolutely. And if you enact it and it does put them at risk, you don't come back and blame people. You don't come back and fight. You still continue to preach at a high level. Can you keep your head as Rudolph Kipling says when all others are losing theirs and blaming it on you? That to me is the distinction is it's kind of like a quarterback it's all fine and well and good to see you throw all over the field with seven on seven mm -hmm. but can you do it in a super bowl with a sore ankle <laughs> and you just saw your wife get escorted out and you know she's been wrestling with sickness can you do it then can you still put and that's the kind of stuff that pastors are made of go ahead bishop I mean, you, you, you said a mouthful. I mean, that is the sentiment that so many leaders want to articulate to so many people. But in doing that, sometimes it's uh, taken in like, OK, oh, that leader's weak or why they whine and why they complain. Not really whining, not complaining, just trying to give you a sneak preview mm -hmm. of what we experience. 
because on that side, it looks easy until you sit in our seat. Yep. And, and it's the anointing that makes it look easy. Thank you. Thank you. Because our, our bodies know it's still, it's hard. Mm. The blood pressure will tell you. Now, on the desk, you make this look easy. But when you sit your tail down, that blood pressure cuff, your body says it was hard. You get mm. that blood work back, your body is still telling you it was hard. You've been on the road all week preaching at revival, not eating because you're nervous. And then when revival's over and you are eating at 10 o'clock, you're eating things that are not healthy to your body. You've been doing that for 20 years. Yeah, you make it look easy, but your body's keeping score. Your, your spouse is keeping, keeping score. Your children are keeping score. Do you want to hear your children rehearse to you that you love the church more than you love them? You don't want to hear that. But don't think that the church won't play the mistress role. Are you ready to police that kind of stuff? That's why you can't be a novice. Because that's the other side that they ain't telling you about that you don't get to see on YouTube. Not that YouTube is bad. It's just that you don't get to see it. But these are the things, you know, and every generation has its benefits. And these are the things that those that shaped us would say this, sit down, you ain't ready. It's not time yet. And so for good or for bad, it, 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 it gave us a subtle fear of going into this responsibility. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so now it's, it's, it's not for all, but it sometimes is difficult to articulate what you both have said so eloquently to people that believe that have a call, but don't realize they're not ready. Mm -hmm. And because of the, it, cause technology in and of itself, I don't believe it's the devil. Because right. all the world has to be reached before the returning of the Son of God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It has to be. Mm -hmm. But what it does, it has given an unpoliced avenue for people who may legitimately have a calling but lack the patience to be trained, to be taught. And it's causing a whole rift. It's causing a whole problem of bad teaching, bad doctrine, you know, and what it's also caused is, uh, and, and younger generation, please don't be offended when I say this because I don't blame you, so to speak. I blame us and I blame certain things. It has its benefit, but they can't sit down and endure exhaustive teaching. If most of us, because the three of us, we, we do what we call culturally hoop when necessary. Mm-hmm. But if we don't hoop in certain places, we haven't preached. Whereas a pastor, I, I, I hooped for several years, but I found out that I've got to do more teaching mm -hmm. than doing that because I got to make sure that you're more than inspired. You know, I, I think the generation can, can endure exhaustive teaching. Okay. It just depends on what's being taught. Mm, okay. Help me. Help me that. Right. If you look at some of the people who are uh, um, excelling from their audiences, mm -hmm. you don't see a strong hooper with a large following these days. Mm -hmm. You don't see that. That's true. That's true. You don't. Right. 
they can teach and they can teach for an hour and some change maybe mm -hmm. but it's what they're teaching mm, that's good so that's good. if they're teaching meology and not theology <laughs> there's an appetite for that mm -hmm. you know who one of my that's good apostle thank you for that you know who one of my favorite teachers is right now you guys probably wouldn't believe who who's that john macarthur johnny Mac. no oh, i believe man. that i love john macarthur now yeah, johnny Mac. He, he can be a little hard for me sometimes. He, I, 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 I agree with him sometimes theologically. Sometimes I say, "Ooh." He, he, if he if he if he were part of the the the, the Pentecostal, he would be he would be he'd be apostolic. <laughs> he, he's, Without a doubt, he would be he would be. He, Gino Jennings could be his brother if he believed that. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I'm thinking about. Yeah, boy. Yeah, I, I love. His teaching and what I love is that he doesn't break for the culture. That's it. He doesn't break for the culture. So, guys, you probably don't believe this. We've been going one hour and thirty-three minutes, and the crowd is still growing. Oh, wow. I'm going. I'm going to wrap us up here in about the next ten minutes. I do have a question. Has Jenna X? Are we complicit in some of the failures, or I, I won't say failures, but opportunities that we're seeing in this generation? And if so, what could we have done differently? Gen X, do you, do you have a years on Gen X? Gen X starts from 1965 and ends at about 84. Okay. That's us. Oh, that's us. I thought you were talking about Gen Z, my bad. Yes, sir. My bad. I'll, now that I'm aware of you talking about us, could you say the question again? Are we complicit in some of the, the because the, 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 the theme was the silence of Gen X. Are we complicit? Are we the cause of some of the these opportunities, these challenges that we've discussed tonight with some of the the younger men and women of God? And if so, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna add a little bit more to it. If so, where do you see that we missed the mark, and how can we redeem the time? Mm. I, I I'll take a stab at this. I'm not gonna say we were complicit because okay. we were children, mm -hmm. right? Um, Bishop Blue preached a message I guess a couple of years ago in which he 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 talked about Daniel's gener generation going to Babylon mm -hmm. but they weren't going to Babylon because of what they did they were really just suffering from the consequences of a prior prior generation's actions mm -hmm. right and so I, I can't I'm not indicting the previous generation, but we can't take responsibility for the world in which we were born. Mm. And we, for you know a long time, we didn't have agency to change anything. Like what are we gonna do? Couldn't vote, right? Um, and so I, I don't think that we were were culpable. I I do think now mm -hmm. we are we are not so much Daniel in Babylon. We're like Esther in Persia. If we get too comfortable with the kind of culture, we'll miss our time. And it requires an uncle, good old unk, to come through and say, maybe you have entered into the kingdom for such a time as this. I think that we really are in a time more like Esther 
uh, than, than Babylon, maybe Persia. It could be a little bit of both, but, but we need to be awakened uh, to say that you've got the kind of influence. Now, I know you didn't have it when you thought you was going to have it. I know when they were 40 something years old, they were all in mega fest and had private planes and you 46 years old and you ain't never been nowhere because they still on the stage. And I know that, but you are still strategically placed in the time of the kingdom. That's that's for now. We are we are that bridge generation. Yes, sir. Bishop Gore. Um, in in plumbing, they have something called a coupling. Mm hmm. And the coupling connects one piece of pipe to another. And I think that that's what God is doing with our generation. He's using us to stabilize and to connect because we experience the best of both worlds. Yes, we know the hardship of how we were brought yes, up. Sir. But we know the liberty and the freedom of today. To us. So we can kind of help the generation to see where you all are right now, it won't be like that 10 years from now. Get connected generation uh, that's you know, ahead of us, letting them know, hey, if you want to continue to do what you're doing in this day and this hour, you're going to have to buy into some of this that they're doing, social media and that kind of mm -hmm. thing. So I think that that's going to be one of our, our greatest pieces. So it, it could be that we might not as a whole end up in the position that Moses was leading millions. But at the same time, we might be the Jethro's that's telling Moses what you need to be doing. I love it. I love it. I love it. You guys busting heads. Bishop, boy, you over here doing it, man. I, I'm trying to keep up with you. No, sir. And, no, sir. and, and, and Apostle Steele. I'm here enjoying so as we get ready to wrap up, what excites you guys about the, this, this, this coming generation? What, what excites you? Mm. At, we talked about challenges. What excites you about the people? And it's odd to say this, but it's the truth that we have to accept, that this group of leaders that we're raised, that God is using us to help, and the group of leaders that are coming up now, what excites you, Apostle Bishop, when you look at these new leaders that we see now? Their drive, their wit, their ability to just, I guess, understand the times that we're in. Because I think even when we were coming through, we really didn't understand the times mm -hmm. as well as they understand the times that they're in. Because I think the times were, it was changing fast, but it seemed slow to us. Mm -hmm. There was some undercurrent things that were happening that we didn't recognize until it already took place mm. because we were still looking at how it was being done. They they realized time has changed, it's shifting, and it's still shifting, and they riding along that yes, way. So just to see that is it's just you know impressive to me. Apostle, thank you. They are that. a resilient bunch. I mean, they have dealt with 9-11, they have dealt with Sandy Hook. They have dealt with uh, 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 what was the name of that city in town? Uh, Trayvon Martin, mm -hmm. George Floyd, Breonna Taylor. They've dealt with COVID, right? Mm -hmm. Graduating in the pandemic, all going to college in the things. They are extremely resilient. 
on top of the economic downturn of 2008, almost going into a Great Depression, they are resilient. And the other thing, and I think that when you see those types of pressures, there's there is a, a move spiritually by dark spiritual forces. They're trying to eradicate something in that generation because of what God is sending to the planet in them. And I believe that many of us, those of us who are part of the X generation, raising that Z generation, we are like Zebedee and his wife. We may not be raising Jesus, but we are raising sons and daughters who will do supernatural miracles. Just think about it. It's one thing for Mary to say, my son is out there walking on water. Uh -huh. It's another thing for but for Jonah to be like my son out there walking on water mm -hmm. he ain't fully god man no that's a whole man out there but he's out mm -hmm. there performing miracles and i think that we have before us a supernatural generation and that's what really excites me they are they are are uh, i think predisposed to the supernatural they're yeah. not as yeah. scary as we may have been not definitely not as skeptical because we were skeptical about laying on hand, falling out. He pushed you. Uh, you know, he don't know your name. He got a microphone in it. We was real skeptical about, about all of that stuff. And they're not as skeptical in the same way. And I think that their resilience or their resiliency and their predisposition towards operating in the supernatural is, is, is amazing. It's amazing. Love it. See the passion in both of your eyes as you talk about this generation and past them, them is phenomenal. Wow. The, the, I'm, I'm looking at you guys on screen and y'all were talking about them and pastoring them and what you see. It, it's a beautiful thing. Here's the next question. Last one for the night. What was the best thing about our generation? And do we see it? And are we living in its fullness now? So I don't know who started first. <laughs> I started. I started last time. Oh I, 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 no! Oh man, what was the best thing? I'll give you ten seconds. I, I I'll, I'll give you an interlude. The best thing about our generation. Um, it's a good one, right? We 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 still got it the hard way. Mm-hmm but we're not married to the hard way, right? Like there's some people like they get it the hard way and in order for you to get it, you got to go the way they went. We got it the hard way. We like, it's gotta be an easier way than this. Gotta be a Now I ain't mad at getting it the hard way because that gave me my 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 toughness, my, 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 I'm built forward tough, but if I'm going to build another forward, I'm going to use some tools to make it easier. Is there, so, <laughs> We were built with telephones, but we ain't afraid of cell phones. That's right. Mm -hmm. We were built on a eight tracks, but we ain't afraid of, of, of an iPod. Well, not even an iPod now, but a, a digital media. We were we were built calling each other. Yes, sir. But we ain't scared of social media. So I think that's one of the best things about our our generation. We are ex we got extreme ambidextrity. Like we are extremely ambidextrous. We are this and that, both and not either or we are both. That's good. Thank you, sir. A bishop, excuse me. There's just, I guess, so many valuable points and so many valuable things that I guess 
our generation brought to the table. But I, I think one of the, the things that's above all that our generation brought that I really value is our, our desire to serve mm-hmm. and our desire to be a help. You know, when I was coming, we, you talking about do something, we were running to see who was going to get an opportunity to lead prayer, who's going to run to get an opportunity to be on program. You know, if, if somebody said, you know, I need this done, we were running to get that opportunity. We, we just wanted to be a help. Mm. And I think that that has been one of the major components of our generation that I, I really like, you know, because if we saw you out there laboring, it, it wasn't, you had to ask me, it's like, what, what do I do? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I hold this, can I help you with this? We just, we just want to get in there. I love it. I think um, one of our best components, albeit superficial, is we age well. <laughs> he is preserving our youth, though. I agree with you. Thank you, Lord. You know, old, you know, there was, maybe it was because it was through younger eyes, but our, you know, these 50-somethings and late 40-somethings, they don't look the same as they did. I think we, uh, we've seen what our forefathers and grandfathers went through, and we don't want to just live to be old and be old and sickly. Mm-hmm. So we're taking steps to make sure uh, we preserve ourselves. And the last thing I would say would be our grit. We had some grit. Mm-hmm. We are fighting people and are loving people. Like, <laughs> we're not, you know, we hard nothing, but we don't run for much. And so I think that has given us the ability to do what we do and stand because in the roles that we have um, as servants in the Lord's house, um, you have to have a grit. You have to have a grit. And um, there, are, I'll, there are a couple of things around that I'll say in the green room. I don't want to say online around that grit and about doing what we do that just separates us from um, other generations. And, one, you know, with that, we're going to wrap up here that I thought about is I used to, as a young pastor, I would always try to, I would get frustrated when the sheep didn't understand the shepherd. Like they just don't understand. And I would try to make them understand. And it's no different than it was on my job when I would, as a store manager, people, Mr. Kelvin, that's what they call me. He doesn't do anything or his job is easy. And I realized something one day, why am I trying to make someone who will never do what I do understand what I do? when they don't have the responsibilities that I have. And for all of my young brothers and sisters out there that are pastoring and you're feeling the frustration of pastoring, you don't have to post the top 10 of why your sheep should understand you. They never will. Just do your job and get the glory from God. Amen. Amen. So (laughs) as we get ready to conclude, um, I want to do something. And I, if, if I, if, if I shouldn't have done it, um, bro, please tell me, but I, I do have to do this. I have a young man in my church, uh, in the ministry that I pastor, his name is Richard Yergin, and he's written a book called the man is greater than the brand. Uh, I want you all to find this on Amazon. His story is a wonderful story. He was a top playing athlete at Clemson university, uh, the football team. And he was in an accident where he broke his neck mm. and, uh, it ended his career and he's now in a doctoral program and he's traveling now uh, speaking to young men about how God kept him over the years. So 
Once again, The Man is Greater Than the Brand. It's a wonderful book. It's not a difficult read. Pick it up. Check it out. It'll bless you. Uh, now, what I, other book I wanted to bring uh, in our discussion, I forgot about it. Thank you, Lady Nicole, for bringing it to me. She's in here with me tonight, guys, making my life easier. It's a book <laughs> called 15 Things Seminary Couldn't Teach Me. Ooh, and it's written from the perspective of pastors who matriculated through seminary and things that seminary didn't prepare them for. Mm -hmm. So just because they came out of school to pastor, they're saying there were 15 things that I didn't learn that will help you for those that I actually called to pastor. Surprised they stopped at 15. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know these brothers. So if your book sales go up, send a tithe to the King's Worship Center, 68 Fairview Road, Simpsonville, South Carolina. And um, just in case you say, I don't want to do that, uh, when you if you do get it, here you go, right here. That's the ministry's case. There you go. Send, uh, <laughs> thank you. What I would like to do is uh, Pastor Apostle Anthony is preparing to begin a, another location of his ministry in Maryland. Yes, sir. Now, I can't describe all that is going on. So, Apostle, would you take a few moments and share with our viewers tonight what's happening with Mount Zion and the wonderful things that are going on right now? Well, thank you so very much. I was I, I was not prepared to disclose uh, any of this this evening. So if I botch it, Pastor Miriam, forgive me. <laughs> um, we endeavor to build a global apostolic network that helps to serve kingdom leaders and church leaders in different capacities. We also endeavor to plant 10 churches in 10 major cities throughout the United States. Uh, So we're going to leverage digital discipleship and a virtual hybrid church model in order to get that done. And that requires that Pastor Miriam and I move to Maryland to establish a headquarters for this global apostolic network. Uh, We seek to build institutions that help kingdom leaders and church leaders with financing, health, staffing, education, uh, and a few other things. So we're building a network of institutions and prayerfully individuals as well as we seek to plant those churches uh, all over the country uh, as God as God leads us. So that's what we have going on. So we'll be moving from the upstate to uh, uh stick our flag in the sand in Maryland to establish that headquarters because uh, we believe infrastructure and the grace necessary to accommodate us uh, serving and stewarding 10 local churches on top of another six institutions that serve churches and kingdom leaders who are entrepreneurs, professionals, and things of that nature. I, I hope I, I hope I did all right. Pastor Miriam, give me my grade after we done. What I would like to do, and Pastor Miriam, Apostle Anthony, y'all my brother and sister, so if y'all beat me after this, you know I'll receive it because y'all my family. Um, <laughs> I don't do this often on our podcast, um, really at all. Um, this is a great work that is going to require faith and resources. Pastor Miriam, if you're still online, would you do your brother the honor and put in the comments how we can give to what you're doing? So there, we dropped a little bit about seven people, but we've got about 30, 31 people online. Listen, uh, those of you that know Pastor Kelvin's integrity, Pastor uh, Bishop Parrott's integrity, Apostle Anthony's integrity, we, we're not, it's not a money grab. 
but the Bible teaches that money answereth all things. Mm -hmm. So I saw hearts go up. I saw thumbs go up. I, all of that is wonderful. Prayers are going to go forth, but resources are required. And I'm telling you, Apostle didn't know I was going to do this. I did not ask him for the permission to do this. He did, I did not. not even, I, none of that. I didn't. He did not. So I may get it in the green room. And, and it's okay. I'll take it with a smile. <laughs> but for those of you that are able to sow tonight, uh, Pastor Miriam, if you're still online, uh, if you could put that information in the comment section. Um, and also how they can give, whether it's through the, the ministry's app, uh, through the push to pay, whatever means are necessary so they could give and bless what you guys are doing. Uh, there's ground and then there's good ground. Mm -hmm. This is good ground. People are going to be blessed by what Apostle Dix is going to do uh, and what this ministry is going to do. So I'd ask you all give liberally, give generously to this ministry. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your intercessory prayer. Thank you for your warfare. Thank you for binding demons before they get there. But I promise you as a leader in God's church, um, I don't have to pray as hard when I know I can write the check and the bill is going to be paid. Amen. I can focus my prayer on other things and I don't have to worry about the resources. So once again, uh, Mount Zion did not ask me to do this. It was laid on my heart to do it. So in the comments section, you should find how to do this. You can also link up with them by going on Facebook and liking their Mount Zion page. You can find their app information on their Mount Zion page and give liberally. Uh, I don't think, Bishop, if I'm wrong, please, I'll take it from you as well because I honor you as my bishop. Um, please give family that's online. Support this. Support this. Bless another ministry. I believe it'll come back. Bless a ministry, bless a work. Let's let's help them to make sure when they go out there, that's one less thing they got to worry about is resources. Five, 25, a hundred, a thousand, whatever the Lord lays on your, if he's put it on your heart right now, because I see figures coming across my eyes. Don't say it's not you. Just give it. Just give it. Amen. So it's on. Thank you, Pastor Miriam. It's right there. Uh, MountZionUpstate.org. Go to that website and there is information there on how to give. Do it tonight. Don't, I'll do it tomorrow. No, 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 you're lying. If you, you're not going to do it tomorrow. Do it tonight. Do it tonight. Y'all say you want a profit. I'm telling you, you're lying to yourself. You're not going to do it tomorrow. You're not going to do it. Don't leave where you are and go to Zaxby's. Go to the website and bless this ministry. Go to the website and bless this ministry. Amen. Thank you all for giving me that time. And listen, the, the, the views even went up. Go and sow into this work. Sow into the work. Amen. And I believe God will be pleased. And if you don't believe God is going to be pleased, just believe you're going to make the work easier. <laughs> you will make the work easier. Amen. Any founder, any pastor knows you preach a little different when you know rent is paid in advance. Yes, we can give you better when we don't have to worry about that money answer with all things. Didn't say present money answer with all things. So answer it with your money. Amen. And then you can give us your prayer after because we're going to bless the money. So just going to give it. Amen. Love y'all. Amen. So let's take a moment. Uh, Apostle, was there anything else around that move that you wanted to share tonight or what's going on? Uh, first and foremost, let me say thank you, uh, Overseer Steele, uh, for believing in us. You've always been Mount Zion Church, particularly to Pastor Miriam and myself. 
you have sold into us significantly uh, in deliverance and in other areas. And we are grateful for that. And you leveraging this platform uh, to to extend uh, help. I'm, I'm reminded of the offerings that were taken in the book of Acts. Those offerings in the book of Acts were taken to facilitate ministry. They took up an offering, laid it at the apostles' feet so that all would be in common. They took up an offering for churches that were in harm's way. They took up food to get through a famine, uh, a very intense famine in Rome. And so I thank you for being obedient to the spirit of God. And I want to say this very clearly to those of you who are giving and to those of you who intend to give. Thank you for believing in us. Thank you for believing in us. You will hear in the scriptures over and over again where many of God's servants, Moses, Elijah, and the Lord Jesus Christ prayed not only that a miracle would be done, but that the people might know that God has sent them. You do something to God's servant when you show signs that you believe that God has sent them. And your gifts this evening are to me and other signs that you believe that God has sent us and is sending us to that region. So thank you. Thank you so very much. You never know what you've unlocked in heaven because of what you've done on earth. Thank you. Amen. Thank you for that. And um, we're proud of you and I'm certainly going to miss you. Yeah, I'm going to miss y'all too, man. You know, don't do that on here. Yeah. <laughs> if I got everything, I was talk typing while you were talking. Mount Zion Upstate dot org pastor miriam is what i saw in the feed so that's what i have there so www.mountzionupstate.org so if you please go there and sow so generously give i promise you listen in nine years of pastoring i've had less than 10 people in the in the pulpit here apostle anthony has been one of those people hmm. i believe in their ministry amen thank you amen and for those from Rama, we've got our bishop nodding his head and smiling too. Trust me, if he didn't agree, there wouldn't be no smile or a nod. No, there wouldn't. <laughs> Amen. So all you ever have to do, if you're not certain and you're wondering if what your leader thinks, there's his face. King's Worship Center. Amen. And everybody else. Praise God. So Bishop Parrott, talk to us about Rama and True Fellowship. Give us a quick summary of what's going on there in the fellowship and in the ministry. Anything coming up that you'd like to share tonight? Uh, with the fellowship, we still just have our monthly calls right now coming back up to next year when we'll have our major uh, gathering uh, with the local church. We're preparing for our last major event before the transitioning of the Gregorian calendar year. And that's our prophetic connection where we have uh, prophetess Latara Tillman. She'll be in with us that Tuesday, that Thursday, Friday. Uh, we'll have Prophet Dr. Brian Jefferson yep. Mosley that'll be sharing with us. Yes, sir. Pops is on the move. <laughs> yes, sir. Bishop, if churches that are not in fellowship and looking for covenant fellowship, uh, how can they get in contact with you? They can contact us through the True Fellowship uh, page. They can contact us through the Rama page, or they can actually call us at um, the Rama Ward Restoration Ministries uh, phone number 803 four one nine five two six six and um someone will get back with you letting you know how you can connect and uh we're not an organization so to speak we have an organizational structure but we are a fellowship so if you are part of the baptist church methodist church if you're part of another fellowship 
you are not, um, I guess, restricted to not being able to be a part of us because we're not trying to control you. We're just trying to tap into what it is that we can do to help you. And at the same time, see what it is that you can do to help us because we're all trying to grow together. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. Uh, Sister Regina, if you're still on there, I th she's already done it. Thank you, Sister Regina. She's putting the information in the comments for us. Uh, please go check them out. Apostle, last question for you. I know Pastor Miriam's on the line. If they want to, if anyone wants to get in contact with you, if you have anybody from Maryland, and we never know how these things go, how mm -hmm. can they get in contact with you to find yeah. out more about Mount Zion? If you want to find out more about Mount Zion, it's real easy. Just email us at info at mountzionupstate.org. That's info, I-N-F-O, at M-T-Z-I-O-N-U-P-S-T-A-T-E dot O-R-G. You, you email us, we will respond to you uh, within the next 48 hours. Amen. We praise God. Any Thank closing you. comments on anything we discussed tonight? Bishop, any closing comments or commentary? I, I caught you off guard. I'm sorry. You're good. Like I said earlier, it's just always a joy every time we get together. In the words of J.J. Uh, Evans, it's always dynamite. Dynamite. tonight. I'm trying to figure out what kind of cultural reference I can give. Y'all done talked about T.I. and J.J. <laughs> I don't have it. It ain't on me like that tonight. I'm just grateful to have been invited to this platform. Uh, this kind of stuff, it just, it just really gets my heart up and filled with joy because uh, there's nothing like being around the brethren. Nothing like it at all. And uh, I'm grateful for our connection. And um, I'm really, really excited about the future of the Pastor's Perspective podcast. I, I think the sky's the limit to hear the numbers that you are talking about now. I remember. Yes, sir. Yeah, uh, season one. Mm -hmm. You know, so yeah. grateful, grateful, grateful. Thank you for for having me, and thank you for being a friend. Absolutely, and always. Yes, we sir. Are, uh, we're in covenant, and I mean that from my heart. Not the world can yes, know. Sir. We're in covenant. Mm -hmm. We're in covenant. Can't nobody yes, tell me yeah. this. Carl Parrott and AA Dix Jr. And that's yeah. just real talk. Amen. Unless, unless they want to cut covenant. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. So uh, my wife is telling me, yes, the next Pastor's Perspective podcast will be on the 19th of this month. My guest will be, as my church family lovingly calls him, Pop Mosley. Oh, wow. <laughs> so Dr. Brian J. Mosley will be on with me on the 19th of this month. I believe that's that Thursday at 7 p.m. I'm going to try to interview him. You know how Prophet Mosley, when he gets on and he gets to going, it's, it's what it is. And we can lean wisdom, mm -hmm. humor, insight, direction from him. But I've, I'm going to work him this time. I'm excited about it. And for those of you that are on tonight, I may see this on the replay. Please head over to Facebook. You can find me at Kelvin Steele Ministries. Like the page. You can go to uh, Apple Podcasts, Google, find the pastor's perspective. Excuse me. Download, subscribe to the podcast. Share it out there. Help me to continue to build the platform that we are on right now to continue to have commentary and discussions like this. I'm also the pastor and the founder of the King's Worship Center in the wonderful city of Simpsonville, South Carolina. 
680 Fairview Road. I would love for you to come out uh, Sunday mornings at 1030. Amen. The only people we wait on is Jesus. So if you show up at 11 o'clock, you might miss us. Amen. <laughs> so get here on time. We start on time. I wait on the Lord and nobody else. Amen. I am excited about this month's service, Amen of God, because it is geared toward my young adults between the ages of 15 to 30. God laid something on my heart for them, and it started on this Sunday, this past Sunday, and it's going to go through the rest of this month. So for those of you that are in the area, please get your young adults, your children here. I don't care if they're tired. Bring them with their bonnets and pajamas on. Just get them here because I assure you there is a word from the Lord for their lives. So thank God for all of those things and uh, everything that he's doing. I love you guys from the bottom of my heart. I don't say that easily well i do say it easily but i don't just mean it frivolously mm -hmm. i love y'all man like real talk like yes, book of wet food stamps i love y'all man we stuck together we stuck together yes, so with that being said and to my wife in the background love you ellen thank you for for your support on tonight if you would uh no, i think the last time who led us out in prayer was it you bishop my head been okay apostle see now i prayed us in now but I pray as I, I pray as since I blame Bishop for this whole conversation anyway. <laughs> so, and pray one of them good prayers, Apostle. Pray them good prayers. <laughs> Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the glory of the Lord that has been resting upon this moment from before time began. You ordained this moment. As the scriptures say in the book of Psalm, for our days were written in a book long before any one of them were lived. And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that something that was said, shared, heard, felt, seen, impacts the people who were a part of this audience and those who will view it, hear it on the replay. I pray it changes someone's life, that it resets them that it course corrects them, that it gives them hope for the future. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that something that we did in this session fulfilled the last scripture in the Old Testament as it speaks in Malachi of a prophet coming to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the father. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus as you have given us the ministry of reconciliation. I pray, Father, that you would usher in to this season of reconciliation of generations. Help us to love the boomers. Help us to love the silent generation. Help us to love the X, the millennial, the Z, and the alpha for who you have made them to be because you knew what the planet needed long before the planet was made. Oh, I pray, yeah. Father, that your blood ceases to, uh, uh, your blood brings about a cease and desist order for intergenerational warfare. We don't need to fight each other anymore. We are for each other. And we pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would help us to be covenant and in covenant with one another so that we might usher in to this planet a realization of the king and his kingdom. Help us to work with one another until the gospel of the kingdom is spread through every means and every man and every woman. Help us to work 
with each other as a team until the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. We thank you for it tonight. It's in Jesus' name we want to say thank you. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Listen, so you know, it, it is always a mess before we leave. That can't be praying like that. Don't expect God. <laughs> um, we were driving to, um, I was driving from work the other day and I, was, I shared it in Bible study, uh, brothers, and I was going to share it with my church family because I felt like it was a word just for this house, but I'm going to share it tonight. Um, there are times that the Lord kind of speaks to your heart. and there, there are times that you hear the Lord. Mm-hmm. The Lord said something to me that was very clear. He said, Tell the people, don't block the flow. Mm-hmm. Many of us are in a season now where it seems like things aren't progressing like they should. Don't allow that to cause you to stop or slow down. It is necessary for you to keep moving. You're hindering by not going forward because of what you think you don't have or the lack of what's coming in is a distraction. Your flow is going to come because you remain consistent. Don't slow down. Step on the gas. Yes, sir. Before you run out, God's going to ensure you have enough to make it to the next destination. That is the word of the Lord for someone on tonight. You're going to get what you need, whether he has to send it by raven or by widow. Get what you need. Don't block the flow by quitting. Don't block the flow by slowing down. This may sound silly. If you have to crush cans and take them to the people to get $50, you do what's necessary until God does what he promised. And I assure you, you're going to be all right. Receive it. Yes, sir. Jesus name. Yes, sir. Don't let the stress of the moment break you. You're going to be all right. We love y'all. We praise God for all of you out there. Mount Zion, we love you. Raymond, we love you. True Fellowship, we love you. King's Worship Center, you know I love y'all. And we'll see you guys again soon. Until we speak. Peace about.